Today on the Unity Talks podcast, you are going to learn how to take a leap of faith and always bet on yourself from one of our guests today, coming all the way from Australia, or is she? Tune in. Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. And welcome back to another edition of the Unity Talks podcast. And we're so glad you're here today. And our guest comes all the way from Australia. Well, she's been in the U.S. for a while, but she's originally from Sydney, Australia. And you're going to get a chance to meet with her right now. Vanessa Ashlock, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So Vanessa is a finance and accounting executive. She's lived in the Dallas area. How long have we lived here? Since 2014. Since 2014, but originally from Sydney, Australia, Australia. right? So for those geographically not inclined people, it's about what, the middle of the East Coast? Right, correct. Okay. Yeah. And so we're going to learn what brought Vanessa all the way over here. She has a little bit of world travel and we're going to try to squeeze that into a little tight time frame here because at talking to Vanessa over the years, we have learned three things, or at least I have learned three things. And they're almost three themes that we're going to try to touch on. Okay. Those themes are pivot and adjust. I know the word pivot has almost become cliche since 2020 because it was used wildly then. It's not meant to be cliche and what we're talking about here. So pivot and adjust, a leap of faith and betting on yourself. And those are going to be our topics today, right? Yes. Thank you. Awesome. All right. So here we go. So from Sydney, Australia, three daughters, mm-hmm. right? Um, so give us the highlights of how you got from there to here. And we're going to try to keep our audience not distracted by the Australian accent. Okay. okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So I always like to start with how we got here, like yeah. how we really got here. And I was reflecting upon my experience and my parents are migrants. My parents came from the former Yugoslavia. They, back in the 60s, they had three options. They wanted to flee the country to have a, a better opportunity for themselves and for their children. So they had the United States, Canada or Australia. They chose Australia the furthest from their European heritage. And that was because that was the quickest route to get out of the country. So it had a six month waiting time. So I was reflecting upon, you know, how I got to where I am at today and, you know, the experiences I've had. And my parents came as migrants to a country they did not know English. They were in their twenties. They had a two year old daughter. You know, they had to pivot and adjust. They had to take a leap of faith and they had to bet on themselves. You know, so when I reflect on, you know, what I've sort of experienced in life and where I've come from, I really, you know, want to give honor to my parents and my heritage as well, that they've taught me a lot about life um, and, you know, personally and in business. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm a parent of old, of kids and you're going to have to play that for them like 15 times because that <laughs> is awesome. That's a great tribute to them. So it's interesting you said that they came from the former Yugoslavia. So you, when you were in high school or you had just graduated high school, I don't know if it's called high school in Sydney, Australia, but let's go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually took a year and in giving back, volunteering your time mm-hmm. um, has always been big for you. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's giving back to your teams and giving to your family. But tell us what happened that year that 
you you were kind of in between high school and college? Absolutely. So 1993 was when I graduated from high school. Um, I actually was appointed head girl of the school, um, which which actually came as a shock to me when they announced it. You know that you know Vanessa Zeman has been appointed head girl of the school. So. All of a sudden, I had to, you know, have broad shoulders and, you know, rise forward and do public speaking and represent the entire student body. You know, so that to me was the first point, you know, the pivotal point for me, you know, and I wanted to give back to the student body. I wanted to to give. Um, so I finished uh, high school, secondary school. And uh, I then wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. And it, there came an opportunity where there you know, had openings for you know, some voluntary positions. And my parents said, if you don't know what to do, why don't you embrace you know, a voluntary position? And I jumped at it. And there was an opening in Croatia at the tail end of the War of Independence. Mm -hmm. So in 2015, I think it was, you know, I hopped on a plane on my own, fresh out of, out of you know, high school, um, and I remember landing in in Frankfurt, Germany, and the connecting flight between Frankfurt and Zagreb in Croatia was full of military. I hopped on there full of military personnel on my own, young, you know, didn't really know what was happening, but there was something within me that thought, you know what, this is going to be okay. You know, I took a leap of faith and I knew that I would be okay. That has got, I mean, my, my heart's beating fast right now thinking about that, trying to put myself in those shoes. Mm -hmm. So kudos to you for doing that. That's phenomenal. You did that again, mm -hmm. right? When you came to the United States, you right. hopped off the plane. You didn't know anybody, right. but you were going to make your career here in mm -hmm. Dallas, Texas. Correct. So how did you end up? How did that move transpire? Right. So in 2014, um, you know, I was approached by a company and there was an opportunity um, to, you know, help them out from a project management perspective. And I thought, you know what? I can be a project manager. I've done operations. I can do project management. So I went for the interview and, uh, you know, they asked me questions about project management. And then the CEO turned around and started asking me questions about strategy and about what it means to, you know, take risks and be a CEO and different strategic questions. I was quite confused. At the end of the conversation, he handed me a Times magazine that had a picture of Dallas on it. And he said, you're going to go to Dallas. You're going to establish our North American operations go back to Sydney and send me your proposal. So I walked away from the interview, hopped on a plane, went back to Sydney, wrapped my head and arms around the opportunity and thought, you know what, why not? International, I haven't done it before. There's, there isn't, wasn't really anything at the time holding me in Australia. I thought, why not, let's do it. So I sent the proposal, they accepted it January, 2014. Um, in February, 2014, I hopped on a plane to to Dallas, landed here on my own, one contact, and had to make it happen. Um, the emotional response, reaction, when I landed in Dallas, I panicked. <laughs> yeah. I panicked. Yeah. You know, I had a hotel. I didn't really know what hotel to book. I booked a hotel close to DFW. Um, I had one contact from the company um, that met me at the airport, and I looked out, and I'm used to running. I'm a runner. Mm. And I looked out and there were only highways everywhere. And I panicked. It was the first time I'd really experienced that panic. Where am I? What am I doing? I'm on my own, no support network. So I had to just say, look, what can I do to readjust, pivot, right? So I thought, okay, I need to ground myself. I need to find an environment where I can get back to my core. And my core is nature and being able to walk. Mm -hmm. 
So within two days, I'd repositioned myself. I found a hotel in downtown Dallas where I could walk and I could be around people. And then I started to meet people and establish facilities and hiring people and, and growing the business. Wow, Vanessa, that is so cool. That is, I mean, I just try to put, again, put myself in that position and I would be panicked as well. I mean, a completely foreign country. And, and you still don't have family here outside of your husband and your three kids. Correct. So it's still that um, they're so far away, but you've created such a tight-knit family with your husband and three kids here, right? Right. That is, um, that's a phenomenal story. Mm -hmm. That is so cool. And to establish a complete operations of a division of a company, the North American headquarters, mm -hmm. it's a lot of responsibility. That's, that's a lot of weight on your young shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, that is so cool. Okay, so you've used some of those terms. So let's kind of get into those terms here, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and the way I'd like to do this is I'm going to mention those phrases to you. And, and I'd love for you to translate to our listeners. When you think of our listeners, they're, mm -hmm. you know, kids who are climbing in their career. I shouldn't say mm -hmm. kids. They're young adults who are mm -hmm. climbing in their career, wanting to reach that next level in corporate America. Mm -hmm. um, or there are other leaders mm -hmm. who are leading uh, people and and they're looking to learn from this. Mm -hmm. So let's start with that cliche word I mentioned earlier, pivot and adjust. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how, what does that mean to you? How has that helped you in mm -hmm. your career? What is some practical advice that you could give other people when you think about pivoting and adjusting? Yeah, I was reflecting on that in terms of, you know, all the different opportunities I've had in life. And every opportunity, it's required me to, to pivot and adjust, you know, assess the situation based on the information. You know, my philosophy is based on the information I have on hand, based on the assessment of an environment, I make decisions. And and based on that, you know, it's having to, to pivot, having to stretch myself out of my comfort zone and really sort of understanding my stretch capacity. You know, from a from a young age, you know, having to to pivot and adjust. You know, I um, I call it a blessing, but I was you know blessed with some health conditions from a, a very young age. Mm -hmm. You know, and that taught me a lot about having to adjust. You know, the immune system has a phenomenal phenomenal capacity to take you by surprise. Mm -hmm. Life has a phenomenal capacity to take you by surprise. We all saw that with the pandemic. You know, so I sort of feel that life has somewhat positioned me to, you know, assess the situation, see where, where I can grow and having to pivot and adjust. The, the emotions associated with having to pivot and adjust, you know, it results in some level of, you know, anxiety sometimes, you know, because it's the unknown, you know, when you pivot and adjust, you inadvertently sometimes have to take a leap of faith. Um, pivoting and adjusting, you know, when I um, had children, you know, I was on immunotherapy mm -hmm. and lo and behold, all of a sudden you're having a baby mm -hmm. and I had to pivot and adjust. I'm like, they said to me, let's continue the immunotherapy. And I said, absolutely not. We are going to stop the immunotherapy. We're going to give the body a chance to develop and have this, this child. Lo and behold, you know, taking the leap of faith, pivoting and adjusting to a change, no real support network other than my husband. You know, it's, uh, it helped me personally, but also helped me professionally. When, so when, let's talk about teams that may report to you, because there's a lot that you have right there. Mm -hmm. We could spend the next hour talking about mm -hmm. that. Um, I'm going to try to boil it down to a couple things. When you have teams that are working for you um, and your team needs to pivot and adjust, 
it first starts with the leader, okay? And, and you've had that experience. And so it may be a little bit easier for you to do because you've had those life experiences and perhaps people on your team have not yet. Mm -hmm. So how do you get them on board? What, what is your strategy? Is it, mm -hmm. is it giving the stories that you've had mm -hmm. to show them, I'm still here, I'm alive, we can do this? Mm -hmm. you know, how do you lead them? Well, I think sometimes until you've touched the hot plate, you really don't know what it feels like. So I can tell them my stories, but I find that it really doesn't have the impact until they've experienced something themselves. So for me, what I found with teams is trying to meet them where they're at. Understand that every person in the team is unique, they're a unique player, understanding their personalities, understanding their core drivers, you know, what gets them up in the morning, why are they here? Are they passionate about what they're doing? You know, and when you can sort of hone in on their passions and what their core strengths are and really try and coach and mentor them to highlight utilizing their core strengths, it makes it a lot easier when you have to pivot and adjust, when there are unexpected changes within the team or the organization as a whole, because you've, you've helped cultivate them to operate in their area of strength. That's such a great answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the example of sometimes when you, know, when you touch the hot you actually have to do that yourself. And so working with them to find out what it is for them that's going to allow them and make it, allow them to pivot or adjust mm -hmm. and, and make sure that emotionally they're okay with that, mm -hmm. right? So that means your connection with your team has to be so much closer. I mean, I, I think of this a lot. Um, you know, I think of my dad when he was in, uh, he was an engineer and there was not that closeness back then. When you're in the 70s and the early 80s and you're working, it's like, I'm the boss, you're the employee, you do what I say. That was kind of the rule. What you're talking about there is just, and what we're all learning nowadays is you have to be so much more tighter with your uh, people yeah. and really know what motivates them and how to get them to move, right? Right, right. Such a great answer. Okay, so leap of faith. You've mentioned it a couple of times. You've taken huge leaps of faith, as mm -hmm. we've learned already. Right. Um, how has that benefited you in mm -hmm. your professional career? Mm -hmm. Look, it's, you know, it, it has resulted in a lot of unknown. You know, so even when I took a leap of faith to come to the United States, you know, I came on my own. I met my husband here. I had my three kids here. Um, I met, you know, I helped build an organization. Um, you know, I think it's been a benefit to me because I've been able to stretch myself and be okay with stretching myself, you know. So taking a leap of faith, there are a lot of unknowns, you know, even, even subsequent to that, um, taking um, a leap of faith with any professional opportunity, you know, I always say to my team and when I'm interviewing candidates, you know, we spend so little time in the interview process, yet when we decide to marry someone, we go through, you know, extensive courting process and then, you know, we take time. However, we're having to make rapid decisions. We have to somewhat take a leap of faith that based on a, a rapid assessment, um, we're going to proceed forward. Um, you know, so I think, you know, just being able to see that you know there are so many instances in our professional lives where we have to daily take a leap of faith but in doing so we audit assess the environment assess you know um, identify the risk so you're you're actually able to pull on personal experience you have professional ones too but it doesn't matter whether it's professional or personal 
you're able to pull on those experiences to know that um, that leap is going to be worth it and everything's going to be okay in the long run. And if and if it's not okay, you're going to learn from it, right? Exactly, because sometimes taking a leap of faith, it doesn't always mean that you know the outcome. Mm-hmm. You just know that exactly. you're betting on yourself, that you've assessed the environment based on the information you have today, that even if you proceed forward and it's not what you imagined, you can recalibrate, you can pivot and adjust, and and it will be okay. Yeah. As long as, for me, it's always been as long as I'm aware of the environment, I'm doing everything within my human power um, to keep moving forward. For me, it's all, all, all about moving forward. It has to be progressive, even if it's not what I imagined. Do, do you ever get comfortable um, taking that leap of faith? I mean, is there a comfort level that you get to that it's like, ah, here we go again? Or... No, I'm, I'm risk averse. I'm an introvert. Um, so for me, there's, you know, I never get comfortable, you know, I can do something multiple times. It's like going to the, you know, phlebologist and saying, you know, I have to, you know, have, have, you know, blood drawn. You never get comfortable with it. I never get comfortable with it. However, there is a level of comfort knowing that, you know, you start to know yourself. And I think that's what I've learned. I've learned to understand Vanessa for who she is, you know, and where I want to keep, keep sharpening myself. So I never get comfortable with where I'm at. I'm just very grateful for where I'm at and know that, you know, the future is, is unknown, however much we can plan for it. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to phrase this up, frame this up the, almost the exact opposite of that. Mm -hmm. If you find yourself too comfortable you're at the office and you're like, man, things are going my way. This is really comfortable. Is that a cause for concern? Like, wait, are things too comfortable? You know, are things are going too smoothly. I'm not outside of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not growing at the rate I should, or maybe I need to face something mm-hmm. or ask for an opportunity um, because I'm almost too comfortable. Should we, we, we be aware of that? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I've, I've, I've never been in that position where I've okay. ever felt, you know, that everything is just, you know, is going 100% correct. You yeah. know, that I always feel that, you know, life every day is different. You know, so for me, you know, I've, I'm very disciplined. So for me, the way that I've been able to manage load and manage complexities of life, you know, professionally and personally is, is discipline. Um, you know, so that keeps me in check. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good word to use right there mm-hmm. is discipline, right? Mm-hmm. It's it, You have to stay disciplined to make sure that you don't get too comfortable mm-hmm. in certain areas because then you stop growing, whether it's professionally or personally. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really good mm-hmm. way. You know, I, I sit back and I think um, that's also probably why you are a finance and accounting executive. Because if you were someone that was great with mm-hmm comfort Mm -hmm. and that's where you wanted to sit all day long you're probably in a percentile of people who aren't going to climb up the corporate ladder Mm -hmm. and so for those that are listening to this that want to Mm -hmm. you've got to be okay with pushing yourself outside doing the things that other people just aren't willing to do to get there so that's that's such a great, unique, the discipline aspect of that answer is really, really good. And that leads us into that third kind of theme that we had talked about, which is 
betting on yourself. And, and all of these do, you know, pivoting, adjusting, taking a leap of faith, and you're just p placing the bet on yourself that you're going to be okay. And ultimately, I think you got to place the bet on yourself that you're not just going to be okay, you're going to thrive. thrive. But it may not feel like that. Right. So how is betting on yourself like where does that come up in your life and you know how do you continue to use that today well i mean look you know we've we've all been in situations in the corporate world you know as a woman you know we can call it discrimination we can we can call it many different things um you know we 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 hear things we hear people say things you know i've heard people say you know you need to placate people you need to you know be a hot mess you know you need to do this to make people feel feel feel, feel comfortable um, you know and and people sometimes in business make decisions for you and you have to be okay with saying you know what I will be okay I'm betting on myself that I will rise above this and I'm going to be okay seeing beyond the circumstances um, you know there are um, um, many circumstances in life that we've all been through, but I can reflect on, you know, my life personally and professionally, that I've had to make some tough decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have broad shoulders and you have to know that you're going to be okay. You know, in the corporate world, you know, I've had to make decisions where, you know, I've had to leave what on the outside can look like a wonderful opportunity. But because I saw the risk, mm -hmm. I had to step down and say, okay, you know, I know for myself, we, you know, I like security. You know, we all like to know that, okay, the, the funds are coming in, we can pay the bills, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a reserve, but sometimes in life you are forced to make those decisions. I will not compromise my integrity. And sometimes that's forced me to make tough decisions and bet on myself that against all odds with a lot of unknown, I will be okay. So how do you, how do you teach someone to do that? How do you teach someone who's young in their career mm -hmm. to learn to bet on themselves, learn to trust their instinct? Is it, is it just time in the mm -hmm. saddle where they learn that? How do you help someone? Well, I've sort of found that for me, you know, obviously I love to learn from, you know, what in my culture, you know, learn from your elders, mm -hmm. learn from people that have walked the walk and, and just see, you know, what, what they've done. Um, but also for me, it is about, you know, touching the hot plate, you know, not to a degree where there's a lot of risk, but enough to be able to experience life and, you know, learn that, you know, this is who I am. So I think, you know, for me, it's been, you know, understand yourself. You know, that's been the first step and that's what I've advised others. Understand who you are and be comfortable with who you are. And that will give you the, you know, the impetus to be able to progress and make decisions and take, you know, let's call them calculated risks um, and, you know, and progress. Okay, so people who are on your team, you're meeting with someone, you see that they're completely capable, but they're sitting in their comfort zone, mm -hmm. right? And you know they're sitting in their comfort zone and you're and you're just looking at them going, oh my gosh, there's so much more value in this mm -hmm. person that they could give. Mm -hmm. um, do you put them intentionally in challenging positions or challenge them and mm -hmm. asking them to do things, step up to the plate, be involved in this project, go do this without mm -hmm. much direction uh, to, to see how they operate and, and see if they can learn that, mm -hmm. kind of touch the hot plate? depends on the individual you know I mean I've had 
great teams where I find that they will come to me and share where they're at. You know, that's given me inroads and insights to be able to help, you know, coach and mentor them. So, for example, I, you know, had a, a, an individual recently that said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing good enough. You know, I'm not doing good enough. And I said, slow down, you've only been here for a month, you know. These are the expectations. Let's recalibrate on the expectations. And, you know, what would you like to see yourself do? What's realistic? You know, just, just trying to get them to think through the process, you know. Typically what I do, if someone comes into an interview and I think they're the right fit, I want to make sure that I can exceed their expectations. So the first thing I do is someone comes in, hypothetically, I want 85,000. Obviously assess the market, make sure it's reasonable, but okay, fantastic, congratulations, you've got the job, 105,000, right? If I see potential in someone and all things line up, I will give them the initial motivation. Right? Interesting. And then I'll work with them and cultivate them and ask them for their permission. Do you want to be coached and mentored? And nine times out of 10, when I go through that interview process and I identify that someone really wants to grow and learn, understanding that and, and helping them understand what that looks like for mm -hmm. them, then you can work with them. And then, you know, offering them opportunities. Hey, I think you can do this. And I had that situation recently where we had a lot of attrition, you know. So I first looked within the team. Mm -hmm. How can I reposition people within the team? I had a team member. I said, what's your resistance? I could sense there was resistance to assuming a, a greater opportunity. Well, I don't really know how to utilize this software. I said, is that really all that it is? Yeah. I said, you can do it. I will sit down with you. I will put you through courses. If that's all it is and you are willing, I've got your back. Let's make this happen. So sometimes understanding yeah. where the resistance is, asking them for their permission, and then supporting them, not just letting them go. Some people want to be let go, and that's fine, right? But that's why I think it's really about understanding where they're at how they operate best, do they need some hand-holding or do they, th do they operate best and thrive where they're let go? Yeah, yeah. cut loose. Okay, so you, you bring up, so let's, let's go through this because I'm, I'm keenly interested in this. So, and I know we're making up numbers here, okay? So mm -hmm. we're gonna use the numbers that you just gave, right? So we're pulling them out of thin air. So 85,000, that's what the position is paying or that's what they want, we offer them 105. So just practically take me through these steps because mm -hmm. this is really good. Do you tell them, hey, I'm going to pay you 105. Your value, well, maybe your worth, I don't know. Now that I'm saying this out loud, I'm thinking through this, is maybe at this moment in time, maybe it's 90, but I'm going to pay you 105. Do, do you talk through it with them like that? Like, and, and because I see your value being 105, so I'm going to go ahead and give it to you up front. Do you work through it like that with them? Not typically. I mean, obviously, okay. I, I assess the market, you know, yep. and some people in situations like that, it's typically individuals that maybe you've been in organizations, they don't truly understand their, their value and worth. Mm -hmm. And if the market is paying that position 105, then you know what, you can ask for 85 and someone might say, that's fantastic, we're going to get them at a cheaper rate. No, I'm going to give you what you're worth. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like to be able to exceed their expectations. And then once again, recalibrate, help them understand because they might say, why? You know, and understand why. Well, 
you're just that's just what you're worth. Okay. You've got okay. these skills. You've evidenced over your career. Let's if you would like to walk through it. Let's walk through it. Yeah. You know. That's so interesting because I think that's a small minority still. Mm -hmm. I, I think that small minority has grown to a, a greater number of people, but it's still a small minority because most people are conditioned to thinking, all right, we can get away with saving a little bit of money and we're paying them this and we'll make them earn it. You know, we'll give them a six month salary review. Like I think of it in terms of today's market, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you think about today's market, it's bananas. <laughs> I mean, you know, salaries have just mm -hmm. shot up. You know, I mean, none of us want to face um, a right size. Mm -hmm. But at some point in time, something needs to be happening because we just can't keep the pace that we're going in mm -hmm. terms of salaries. Mm -hmm. But we have the ability to offer flexibility now, mm -hmm. right? We've all learned that companies can be flexible now and there can be some work from home. And so... Um, and so I really think that's shifted a lot of, uh, a lot of the dynamics such as we're going to offer you 85 and make you earn your worth of 105. Yeah. And what you're saying you do is I'm going to offer you 105 because that's what you're worth. I'm going to show you how to get there. Mm. You're going to learn that you can just bet on yourself mm. moving forward. Right. And and I really think companies, we need to pay attention to that right now mm. because of where salaries are. Mm. And I'm really poking on right now, and I'm just going to say it, mm. is 100% um, in office. Mm. And when companies say that, we're mm. fishing from such a small pool of candidates Gosh. who are willing to do 100% in office. Mm -hmm. And you can't cut your nose off despite your face, right. you know? I mean, that's the lifeblood of your mm -hmm. system. Your engine is your people. Mm -hmm. And so I really like your approach of mm -hmm. let's give them what they're worth. Mm -hmm. We're not going to overpay right. market assessment right. and then show them how to get there. Yeah. Have you always done that? Yeah, I always like to exceed expectations. You know, I like to show people that you don't need to, you know, it's like a relationship. Do you go in saying, well, I think you're great. However, let's give it a, you know, you have to earn your position. No. Have I done a, a good job at the initial assessment in identifying whether you're the right person for that seat? You know, so you think of Jim Collins, you know, um, having the right people in the right seat and the right bus going in the same direction, yes, right? Yes, yes. So for me, it's identifying. I need the right people in the right seat. And if I've got the right people in the right seat, what can I do to motivate them, show them right from the go-get? I've actually done the best that I can to assess that you're the right person for that job and you've got all support. You don't need to show me, you just need to do your job based on our agreed, you know, um, agreed expectations for that, that position and let's, let's go, let's make yeah. this shine. So getting the collaboration, getting the right team together um, and getting that loyalty um, and, and really just, you know, empowering them to be the best that they can be and grow. I want anyone that comes in to leave better with more skills than when they arrived. Love that. We, we almost need to extend this like another 30, 40 minutes because you said a couple of things there and I'm gonna try to hold myself for, back from going down this because we got to start wrapping up here, but it was, you know, you, you said, um, I'm going to pay you 105 because that's what you're worth based on the market assessment. 
and I'm going to help you do your job. You want to exceed expectations. Helping someone do their job means their job value is 105. They don't necessarily have to exceed expectations to get 105. Mm -hmm. We'd love people to exceed expectations, you know, and then their raise next year may be higher. Mm -hmm. But some people don't necessarily want to exceed expectations. They want to do what's required of them to perform at the level that you're expecting for them to perform at, right? Do the job duties. And all this is centered around this quiet quitting, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm trying to stay away from it too much because you're going to suck me into it. <laughs> Um, so I just, I really like, I appreciate your perspective mm -hmm. on that a lot. You know, I think that's a great perspective to, to give people what they need up front, show them how to get there, help mm -hmm. them along the way. Mm -hmm. And that's such a good perspective. Okay. Enough about that. We're going to end on this, uh, because this is good. Um, you are a finance and accounting executive. Um, your, uh, spouse mm -hmm. You have three kiddos at home. Um, I've had a number of people sitting in that chair mm. in that exact same position. Um, and I always just want to pause down. You know, I've got a wife and two girls, so mm. I'm surrounded by girls. So definitely encourage that empowerment. Um, how do you juggle all of that? It's a good question. Um, some days I'm not sure. I just do what needs to get done. Um, and my children have taught me a tremendous amount. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't anticipate having children. Um, every child has been an absolute blessing. And, you know, it's um, just r rising up every day and doing what needs to get done. You know, for me, it's always been about discipline. You know, it's about having the discipline, um, preparing for the unknown, having slack capacity, um, and seeing that it's such an honor to be able to be a mother, to be able to show your children that you can be a mother, you can, you know, take care of them and in, in the house and, um, and a, a career as well. We don't know what's around the corner, you know. So for me, it's just, I think the, the discipline that I've cultivated and the personal health complexities have really just positioned me to be able to you know, do what I can to the best of my ability and, you know, wake up every day and see the cup half full, um, you know, and my children, you know, they surprised me. My four-year-old was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes a year ago, complete shock mm. to our family. Um, and seeing that the girls, you know, obviously there's only a year apart between the girls and seeing them see how busy I might be and seeing how busy dad may be as well. And, you know, actually to our horror you know work out how to get the insulin prepared um the older sister getting it for the younger mm -hmm. sister and seeing how you know they actually want to learn and you know being an example to them you know so you know i, I didn't plan it this way yeah it just happened um and i've just learned to adjust to it and go. just be grateful yeah. yeah that's awesome well so we've talked a lot about leadership here mm -hmm. okay um, 30 years ago, we're going to end on this. So 30 years ago, you wrote a little bit when you were the headmaster of your school, mm -hmm. um, something on leadership. So if you want to share that with us yeah. to see, has this changed much? Absolutely. So back in 1993, um, head girl, you know, was sort of the end of, you know, end of our year there, you know, we're all, all finishing up and I found it, you know, in my, in my, uh, archives, uh, this morning and, um, 
I was just reflecting in terms of, you know, how much has actually changed over the years, um, you know, and I was just reading that, you know, this year has surrounded us with demands and intense pressure and uphill struggle, but through it all we now emerge a class, a class with an extremely high potential, a class which has grown together, providing physical, intellectual, emotional and spiritual support for one another. We challenge you, the class of 93, to go out and make a positive impact upon the world. But wherever your path may lead, we would like to wish you the very best. We now leave with the knowledge that the people who taught us are more than just teachers, they are friends. We are grateful and proud of the friendships with these people. To our fellow students still traveling the long road, we wish you all the best. We found some suitable quotes um, as well. So some of the quotes which you know I, I'd extracted from that mm -hmm. speech were, spare time is a scarce commodity, so use your time wisely. Happiness is not the absence of problems, but it is the ability to deal with and overcome the problems. And don't get caught up in the stress and struggles. Instead, once in a while, look at the overall picture of life. Finally, a diamond is a chunk of gold that made good under pressure. Wow, Vanessa, that is so good. I'm so glad you brought that. Mm -hmm. You found it this morning because that is so applicable mm -hmm. to the world 30 years later, the world we're living in now right. and and the times that we're living in right now. So yeah. that's so phenomenal. And that I can't believe you had, you were in high school when you wrote that. Right. And the other could thing could barely which, spell my name. <laughs> the other thing which I found and you know maybe it's not popular here in America, but Millie Molly Mandy. I used to read Millie Molly Mandy books and I, I, I kept one page and I've carried it around for so many years and it says never set out on an expedition without a picnic basket. That, I, okay, so I've never heard of Millie Molly Mandy before. <laughs> that must be an Australian must thing. Be. I'm willing to bet on it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was Vanessa Ashlock. Thank you so much for coming Thank on you. with us today. We had this scheduled at one point in time. We had to delay it, and, and I'm so glad that we were able to get you on our show, and I hope you had as much fun as I, I did. did. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And to our audience, thank you so much for joining us every time that we have one of our Unity Talks podcasts. We have great guests like Vanessa. So until next time. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.